0: Hey everybody, good afternoon and welcome back to Engage on UMFM 101.5. We missed you guys a lot, but today we're back with what I know will be such a wholesome as well as informative episode, knowing the people who are involved here. Today we're going to be featuring guests and the organizers from Justice for Black Lives Winnipeg. So Justice for Black Lives Winnipeg is an informative action-based community group. They specialize in providing awareness and leadership towards Black and people of color initiatives in Winnipeg. They've taken on a handful of community projects, ranging from family food hampers, community care packages, as well as organizing an emergency fund line for Black people. They were also the heart and foundation of one of the largest mobilizations and protests in Winnipeg history with the March for Justice for Black Lives in June of 2020. So we have a really exciting episode. And without further ado, you guys can go ahead and introduce yourselves. I'm Kamisha Hope.
1: I'm Jada Hope.
2: I'm Mahalika. Cuff.
0: Awesome. Nice to have you guys on. It's honestly something we've been trying to set up for a bit, but me and Josh here have been busy on our side and we've had a couple of things that we've run into. So we're just really excited to finally be able to get some some information and perspective out to more people. And I guess one of the first questions that I have for you guys would be, when when did you decide to officially form a group? Because we know that there was uh, like a lot of organization and noise going on last year surrounding like the death of George Floyd and as well as other things uh, going on within the Black communities and so there was a there was a big resurgence of that movement at that time last summer but was that when you guys had decided to officially form or were you together already before that?
2: I can speak to that a bit just uh, through the formation of the group so basically at the end of May I posted a Facebook post about wanting to organize with other black folks and also on Instagram as well and then just received a bunch I remember receiving a bunch of messages from like a bunch like over like 56 people like saying like I want to help want to help or whatever and then it was more or less the people in this group right now like reaching out to me individually and stuff like that, and like having like actual tangible ideas and that's, that's what I was kind of looking for and then from there it just became a group chat and then it was nine of us and now it's four of us and it kind of became just like yeah, this kind of thing that's happening because out of anger and frustration and like the lack of organizing within uh, Winnipeg amongst Black folks specifically. So this group came together as more of a spur of the moment thing. I think we were were all thinking, even though it was like a Facebook post that I made specifically, but I feel like all of us as Black folks were all thinking about this individually and then we're able to come together through this group and just have this, yeah, wanting to say something and wanting to do something. But yeah, I don't know if anyone else wants to add. (laughs) I just want to add
1: that we wouldn't be here without Mahalet. Like I think that they downplay a lot of the work that they've done and the work that they did in the beginning to kind of get us all together Um, but without them we wouldn't be here like I know for myself I was one of the people who was like really upset and really frustrated around that time just with all the deaths that were happening and then also the fact that people seem to be focusing more on the American deaths even though there were Black deaths such as Regis who was Afro-Indigenous on this side as well happening around that time just being upset but not really knowing what to do and being like oh my gosh I'm just one person what can I do but then like a group of us came together and we were able to do something really amazing but it's all thanks to Mahala We wouldn't be here without Mahalai. We wouldn't be here without the collective working together, but ultimately she is what brought us together.
3: That's awesome. Yeah. And I know Caden and, and myself were both in attendance at the rally in June last year. And that was definitely a very beautiful experience, a very peaceful organization that um, I definitely enjoyed and, and very grateful I got to experience that. And I was curious to hear. Um, from each of you, what your takeaway was experiencing that, but from the perspective of the organizers who, who put it all together, like how, how were you, you feeling after what was going through your head in the weeks after that rally?
4: I feel like it was super intense um, for all of us, and I like, I know Jada and Kamisha were very confident about um, you know the turnout, and they seemed to uh, you know know what to expect but i can be kind of pessimistic sometimes and i wasn't expecting such a huge turnout so that felt really really powerful and really nice to be like surrounded by so many people and to just feel like we were being heard. And I think like what was so, so important about what happened to George Floyd was that it brought so much attention to that moment because to me personally, and I think to a lot of other black people, like there was nothing particularly exceptional about his death. Like this is not a new experience or something to witness for black people. And it almost was like, okay, why now? Like, why does everyone care now? But like Jada said, Mahalit really took the initiative to do something at that time. And whatever the reason for that was, like, it was really nice to see after a lot of deaths happening, to see so many people come together and um, say that we're not okay with that.
2: Yeah, like I completely agree with what's been said already in the sense, just like to this day, like when I watch videos back, I like still get chills and I almost start crying (laughs) because it was was just so intense and like the week leading up to it was so intense because yeah, having interactions with people, having to like, I personally never organized anything like this large. And that was just an issue of me just being like, I'm angry and frustrated and I'm sad. And like, yeah, as i mentioned before, it's like, this is not new. It's like, as Black people, we've seen this for decades. Like, think about Rodney King, thinking about all the different times Black folks have been brutalized and have been murdered in Canada and in America and across the world. So just like that moment was so special to see people come together. I think also during a pandemic, it was also really special because we haven't seen each other in so long, and seeing people and like really come out and really care, and like offering to help, and wanting to just really be there for us, and just not even just for us specifically, but for the Black community here in Winnipeg and across Canada, and like yeah, to this day, even thinking about now, I'm like, oh my gosh, I can't believe we did that, <laughs> and that many people came, and it was so successful, and we were able to do it peacefully without the police presence there too. I think it's super good to emphasize that as well, like. The community really came together and wanted to do something we did really well and to this day I I think I'll talk about it for the rest of my life and I'll be like an old lady like oh my god yeah I did that thing and you know whatever but
4: yeah
3: (laughs) very powerful moments for sure like being there from outside perspective not being someone who's directly affiliated with with organizing it but just attended was yeah it was super powerful so just thank you all for what you've all been doing and, uh, and for that rally and, and for you know the seven days, no peace and everything you've been working on, just personally wanted to, to thank you all for that.
5: And if I can just add to that, um, I feel that as people of color, we suffer in silence. Um, so to have the, the space created that was safe, where we were able to share our frustration, our pain, our suffering, and then speak out on what we want. Being able to do that was very empowering, and we were able to to give a lot of people hope. So yeah, it was it was nice to see.
1: The rally was like crazy, but then I think, I don't know what, and this is all on me. Like, I'm really sorry, y'all, that I put us through that seven days of no peace right after we did that rally. That was my idea, and I thought that was gonna be great. It was like, oh, it's gonna be like mini rallies, and we really like underestimated how exhausting it was going to be, how hot it was going to be, how heavily we were going to be policed, even though we were only out for like an hour. But overall it was a good experience. It was definitely like Mahal and everyone else has said, like it's crazy to look back and be like, damn we did that. Like we actually did that, like that wasn't a dream, like that was real. And thinking about all of the hard trips it took to get there from all of us, like all of the sacrifice, Um, And then, of course, all the sacrifice of those who came before us to be able to even do this kind of thing in our community. It's amazing. So it's amazing to just kind of be a part of that.
0: It absolutely is. Yeah, that was an incredible week. That was an incredible protest. One of the one of the most powerful experiences I've been a part of, just seeing so many people together for for one cause, one reason and understanding, um, you know, why they're there. Uh, They're there for each other. So that was yeah, like on my side, too a personal thank you to you guys for for setting that up. You touched a little bit on, you know, some of the some of the powerful things that you noticed that came from that. Like you mentioned hope and providing people hope which you see, you can see when you show up there, right? You see that people are there and they're happy and they're excited that we're all together and people are there and they're crying and they're sad that things have happened. So there's a lot of like emotion that goes on in these places and to me, being from the outside perspective, I'm able to see some of the impacts it has on people, the impacts it has on the communities afterwards, right? As organizers, though, I'm interested to hear what have been some of like the significant changes that you guys have noticed or the significant impacts that you guys have noticed from when you started out, you know, wanting to spread that message or get that message out to where things are heading now.
4: I mean, you mentioned emotion and it was extremely emotional for all of us as organizers and I think all the people in attendance as well. and like. Honestly, I feel like that was such a powerful thing. When uh, we like stormed City Hall, it felt so cathartic and it felt like we were just all able to just express how frustrated we are and how disappointed we are in politicians here and to just be there screaming at the top of your lungs and have tears streaming down your face and making all this noise and see people physically as opposed to, you know, like online support which you can't like you you feel it but you don't really feel it and see it you know so to be there together and just be able to express and like show the pain that we were in i think that was like so important and i'm so glad that we were able to process anti-blackness together in that way so that was definitely a big change that i noticed and i feel like there's also a lot of other initiatives that started shortly after we did That, you know, I don't want to toot our own horn, but (laughs) I think we're, you know, probably inspired by us. And I think also at some other protests and rallies in the summer that followed, there were certain touches that they added that were probably also inspired by us, probably because, as far as I know, we were the first people to add those into our rallies. So I feel like the fact that we tried to cover as many bases as we could possibly think of to cover also reminded other people, okay, here are things that we should be doing. Like here are best practices that we should incorporate into activism and organizing in Winnipeg. So I think those are some significant changes that we saw.
5: I think people, making people believe in themselves was a huge thing where they actually felt that they had a voice and they were speaking out. and advocating for others and holding people accountable publicly, whether it be in their workspace, no matter where it was, people were being held accountable after the rally. And it kind of creates a safer space for people of color because it's not just, us having to stick up for ourselves, because we can do so much. But when everybody comes together and advocate for one another, it's a powerful thing. So just seeing people believing in themselves and having a voice and speaking out and manifesting their own dreams, their own vision on what they can do to add to their community. Like, for example, Community 204, that was a great to see Danny just step up and being inspired by what we did and just like what he's doing is taking off. And it's just really nice to just see even the young people coming together um, in the schools and, and calling out their teachers, um, whatever it may be. So I just really appreciated that. And, and I think in all of this, it helped restore my hope, my own hope within myself and my community, and in the human race to know that love still exists. We have to learn how to communicate. We have to learn how to be kind. We have to learn how to be mindful. And I think if we treat others the way we want to be treated, um, the world would be a much better place.
3: Don't know a better way could be put. Can't think of anything that could. So. It's pretty surreal just being able to sit down and talk to you all. I mean, I remember witnessing the extreme emotion and just all the energy at these rallies and now being able to directly ask you about that has been pretty awesome. A lot of this has been going on, I I suppose, in terms of the rallies and organizations you've done. This has been since the COVID-19 pandemic originally started. And I was just curious if you could all kind of touch on what that aspect of things was like dealing with these tragedies that are taking place and then also keeping in mind the fact that there's a global pandemic taking place at the same time like what was that kind of was it like balancing those um and doing all your work through that
0: yeah it must have been a huge challenge
1: it's kind of weird because we started in the pandemic so we don't have any experience not working under conditions like this so i think The biggest difference from last year than this year is last year there was a lot more public support for BIPOC groups in general going out and protesting. And just this year, because the case numbers have been so much higher, people are afraid but not realizing that when you go out and you protest you can do it in a safe way and you don't have to be afraid because then that's just perpetuating that cycle that we're trying to break of you know all of the police violence and not being able to support community and all of those other things so last year there was a lot more public support uh, last year we were able to have that reassurance from politicians and other people that folks wouldn't be persecuted for attending and for participating and this year we've seen that that's kind of not the the case they are willing to fine and charge people heavily for organizing so it's just kind of been a balancing act and understanding that yes we are organizers and like we're we're a part of the community and we people label us as radicals but at the same time that doesn't mean that you have to go and put your community directly in harm's way at all times so just kind of trying to figure out new ways to fundraise and organize and protest and take up space without putting people directly in danger, knowing that we can't help them out of it with covering legal costs or providing lawyers, things like that.
2: I think, too, I want to add, in a sense, just like I remember last year, even then, there was a little bit of backlash of us even organizing as a collective and being out in public. And I think something that was proposed a lot when we did have conversations with other people as to why we're doing this is because I think regardless of the pandemic or not, Black people are dying. Right. It's like indigenous people are being shot by the police. Black people are being shot by the police. So the pandemic is just an extra level of the oppressions that Black people like um, succumb to. So the pandemic was something that's like obviously very scary, brings a lot of anxiety, brings a lot of like nervousness to people, to the public, but at the same time too, it's like there are more chances of a black man being murdered by the police and than a, a virus, right? And then even for this year, it was definitely difficult to organize because yeah, as jada mentioned, the high cases, but something I've been thinking about too, it's like if someone we know in the community was murdered by the police tomorrow, will we all go out or will we say no because of a pandemic, right? And you th- think about the families, right? Think about other people and like, yes, we can do, we can definitely do things safely. But yet yeah, if we think about, I guess, like proposing a question of just like, like, yeah, if someone died tomorrow, if someone's murdered tomorrow, what would we do? Would we stay at home and say, well, we have, to take, we have to, like, isolate and not be around? Or would we show up for that family? Would we show up for our community when we need to? So I think it's just, yeah, we're not radicals. We're just doing what the community needs, right? And, like, people can label us as, as like, going above and beyond. But you think of other cities and larger cities as well, like Toronto, and ho- who have a longer and more intense activist history, they would do the exact same thing of, like, if there was uh, someone that died tomorrow, they would show up, so... It makes me think about questions around that and just like the importance of coming together regardless of the pandemic or not, because people are still dying regardless.
4: And the nature of anti-Blackness is so ingrained into every institution. COVID is disproportionately affecting Black people too. If you look at the stats that the province has released, Black people and African people, which they have categorized differently in their stats for whatever reason, are the second most impacted racial demographic by COVID rates. So like, whether it's COVID killing us, or the police killing us, or not being able to find good, safe employment that provides you a livable wage killing us, Black people are dying from anti-Blackness. And organizing is part of the way that we fight that, that we say we don't deserve that, that we demand better. So there's like never a good time to organize, but there's also never a good time to be oppressed. So, you know, it's not like we want to do it really. We don't really have a choice if we want anything to change for us, for our children, for our families and for all Black people.
5: And regardless of what goes on out there, um, Black people are so struggling and we may not be out there in the public's eye, but behind the scenes, we are still helping and we are still changing lives. There are programs we fund and run behind the scenes. um, So we are still active um, in the community.
3: You were mentioning that you're still active. At this moment in time, is there anything that we could share with our listeners? Anything being planned that can be announced yet at all or anything like that? Or...
1: In terms of, like, announcements for events, we usually try to keep those, like, as low-key as possible till as close to the date as possible, just because it causes a lot less harassment for us, whether it's from police or public. But in terms of, I guess we could all speak about our own personal projects, and these have kind of been ongoing, but yeah, so I have a hamper project, which just provides hampers for folks in the community who needs them, um, prioritizing black and indigenous folks and prioritizing families, but ultimately anybody who asks for a hamper receives one. So donations can just be sent directly to Just for Black Lives, like our email and for that project. But yeah, that just, it's one thing that I'm passionate about is food security. I just think it's really important uh, for people to be able to eat. Like it's one of the very basic things that you need to survive, but it's also one of those things like a lot of families, and this is my personal experience, right? Knowing, it, are you gonna pay rent or are you going to be able to like provide groceries for that month? And that's not a decision that anybody should have to face, especially black and indigenous folks and especially other people of color who already go through enough hardship so that's kind of my personal project. Um, and I do a bunch of other things on the side, but this is the one with the group.
3: That's awesome. Yeah. Is there any anything else the the other few of you would like to, to add to that?
5: I'm currently working on doing some programs in the community with the youth surrounding um, mental health. We're in a mental health crisis and suicide rate is huge amongst teenagers right now. So that's where uh, my fundraising and focus is on. And now that the lockdown is off, hopefully we will have it up and running soon.
4: I also um, have a project with the group uh, Fund for Black Sex Workers. Um, So people can contact Justice for Black Lives. Um, They can donate to the email, like Jada said, and just put in the memo line or whatever that it's for that fund. But, yeah, people can also come to my workplace, 823 Ellis, between 1 and 6, Monday to Friday. And, uh, yeah, it's just money to support sex workers. And something I found interesting about doing that project is, like, before I started it, I wasn't really sure um, how much how much it was needed. And uh, I asked a lot of people uh, who work with sex workers, like, you know, do you think this is needed? Like, do you know a lot of Black sex workers? And a lot of people seemed kind of unsure. They didn't know a lot of Black sex workers. But then once I started doing the project, so many people started showing up. And I think that's like something common that people trying to organize for Black people in the city maybe come across is like kind of a general attitude. Oh, well, that's not needed because, you know, that that isn't really an issue here. But then once you just do something you see how much it is needed and how much it's appreciated. And I think you could say that for our rallies, like, you know, there's, I feel like a lot of people who aren't black in Winnipeg who were kind of like, Oh, you know, well, I don't really think anti-blackness is an issue here, but then the response showed that's definitely not the case. And so I would also like to say to folks who are, you know, thinking, of something they want to do and something they want to see in the city is to just do it and then let the response show you how much your work is valuable.
2: And I also have a project as well. I'm kind of speaking to what Ella said, I guess like there is there is an erasure of Black people in Winnipeg for sure. And that's like the response of like, this is not needed and stuff. So for myself, my project is supporting Black queer and trans folks in Winnipeg or Manitoba. And just it's a kind of a simple service of like, if you're Black and you're queer and you're trans and within that LGBTQ plus um, group, you can be able to access funds. And right now we're currently fundraising because it was started in November of last year, and yeah end of november last year and then it was running up until i'd say maybe february march and between that time i'm really happy to say that we were able to redistribute ten thousand dollars to like black queer folks and trans folks in manitoba um so that was a super nice to know because i think for myself as a black queer femme and i think a lot of times we are raised in the city as like black queer people and in the scene as when you go out and stuff like that in the past and stuff you feel like maybe there's like three of us who are also black and queer but this list that I have, which I'm very grateful to have access to these folks and be able to redistribute funds and stuff like that, there is more than four of us. There's 40 plus people on the list right now, and it's always growing. So if you are if you are Black and you're queer and you're trans and you need access to funds, you can email me at mahletc311 at gmail.com and say, like, here's my name, here's my email, you'll be added to the list. And I'm hoping to be able to redistribute funds towards the end of the summer, just right now, because we're fundraising and stuff. And then as everyone mentioned before, if you want to donate to that fund specifically, just put in the memo line, LGBTQ fund, Black and trans queer fund, long as it just says something around the around queerness in the memo, in the memo, it works. But I think that all our personal projects is really important just because that they all touch on very different things, but they all come together and making sure that Black folks have access to basic necessities, which is something that um, super important here in Winnipeg just because yeah, there isn't a lot of black, like black centered funding, unfortunately. And I think we do it in a really grassroots way where it's like, what is your need? We can give you money for it. And as long as we have enough funds for what we do our best to like, um, meet that need. And as well, we take general donations as well, just to support families of of police brutality and, or if the families have someone who's been murdered by the police or stuff like that. So we do take different avenues of donations through personal projects, but also general donation of just like helping families in the community or helping people in the community who don't maybe necessarily align with what our projects are specifically for. So, yeah.
1: And just to quickly add on to what Mahalat's saying about our general donations, we also find like, <clears throat> and I know Mahalat and myself will have people who just DM us and are Black and they need some extra support. Um, And that's also a good way of reaching us if you need like emergency support and you're Black or Indigenous, just kind of tell us basically what you need and how much you need and we'll take it to the group, come to a consensus, and usually we'll get it back to you really quickly. Um, So general donations are always needed for that as well. We just kind of like to be able to provide support in any way that we can, Uh, just because like everyone has mentioned, Black erasure is so prevalent. It's really hard for people to get help. And then a lot of Black people feel like they don't deserve it or like other people need it more. So we really just, if you need help, like reach out to us, we'll do the best that we can.
3: Awesome. And
5: just to add to that, we have um, distributed, we distributed um, just under a hundred thousand to the community um, of Winnipeg.
0: Wow. Wow, absolutely so inspiring.
3: Yeah, that's great to hear. That's such a jaw dropping figure. But uh yeah, that's amazing. Um, just another personal thank you. I mean, after hearing about all the other individual projects you're all running, you know, the city definitely needs all of you and and it's 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 just beautiful that you're all coming to support the city in that way. So thank you. And just to make sure I want to highlight the Instagram and the e-transfer email. Can we go over those one more time?
2: Good question. Sometimes I'm like, what is our email? <laughs> <laughs> what is our email? <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Let me, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Our, our Instagram is justice for black lives. Uh, w P G. If WPG. you type in justice for black lives. It'll, it'll be the first thing that comes up. And then Sweet. for our email, I know for sure it's justice. So J U S T I C E. Uh, Number four, black, so B-L-A-C-K, lives, L-I-V-E-S, W-P-G, at gmail.com. I'm pretty
5: sure that's what it is. (laughs) Yes, that's right. Nope. Cool. Remember our emails. (laughs) And also, if I can add to that... People are also welcome to support us as organizers to help us continue to do what we do in the community, because we do work full time and we do have other responsibilities outside of this. So we do give our free time for it. So they can also help support us at J 4 BLW organizers with an S at the end at gmail.com justice for black lives, Winnipeg organizers at gmail.com.
3: Awesome. All right, great. Just wanted to make sure we, highlight all that on the record and if there's any other avenues that have not been mentioned
5: also if people want to go check out um our instagram and go to the link tree on there we do have people on there um, that we do support and we would like to, uh, people can make contributions there as well.
1: Yes, please donate to the GoFundMe that we have for the Machar Madute family. He was a Black man who is experiencing a mental health crisis and was murdered by the Winnipeg police in his own home, unfortunately. And he left behind a bunch of beautiful children who we've had the opportunity of meeting and hanging out with, and they're lovely. And they don't deserve to have to have any capitalistic strain while dealing with the hardship of losing their father in such a, a horrible way. So please just donate to that and continue to support families who have lost loved ones due to police brutality, both in the city and outside of the city
2: yeah in our link tree as well we have our website which was just recently made so you can kind of learn about all of us individually as people learn about our, like who we are as a group how we came together you can also see photos from last summer as well from all from the rally so maybe if you weren't there maybe you weren't able to come maybe yeah because the pandemic and stuff like that be able to see what happened and yeah that's also a way to contact us as well through our website you can access through our email and stuff so yeah that's also in our link tree on our instagram
3: awesome so then i think If there's nothing else um, any of you would like to throw out there for our listeners, then I think we're more or less set to wrap up here.
0: Yeah, seriously, super incredible. I was really excited to get into this conversation, and now I'm even more excited just for other people to hear it. I'm literally inspired every day by just all of you guys and all the work you do within our city, and yeah, I'm just so excited going forward to know that we're within a city and within a community that... loves to do these things and that puts the time and efforts towards it so thank you so much for joining us with that and just sharing all of your experiences
3: seriously thank you all so much
4: thanks for having us and thanks for supporting us because it also means a lot thank you thanks guys Yeah, thanks so much.
3: Really appreciate that you took your time out of your day to come on here. And being that this does air on 101.5 UMFM, something we like to do on our show, just as we wrap up, we like to ask our guests if they would choose what song we'll play following the interview. So if there's anything, any songs any of you have really been into lately.
4: Yes. Oh, my God. I love that. Um, I'm really into Are You With That by Vince Staples. It's a bop.
3: Dope, yes, it is then uh yeah i think that'll conclude the interview then so yeah one last time just thank you all for taking the time of your day to come and, and speak to us and and provide us answers and insight on such an amazing and powerful organization it's been really great being able to talk to you so uh yeah this has been great thank you this has been engaged
0: with josue V. K. Jones and Justice for Black Lives Winnipeg. And it's been incredible. We will see you guys next week for our next episode. Thanks so much for joining us.